Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Diaspora Collective podcast. Here at Diaspora HQ, we dissect and explore contemporary events in news and pop culture and how they pertain to Black communities' experience of race. We also link concepts to pathways of action in our follow-up resource roadmaps. My name is Delali, and today I'm joined by... Abba, Dominique, and Mel. This week, we'll be exploring all things activism, including the origins this week we'll be exploring all things activism including the origins of activism itself and how this has evolved in the age of social media we'll also be speaking about the concepts of unchosen or reluctant activism we also have a very special guest joining us this week brat rap we have Bath, <laughs> manuel manuel thank you for joining us today What's up, what's up? What's happening? Um, so we're really excited to have you on the podcast today and to have you delve into this conversation about activism with us. Mm-hmm. But before we start, it's always good to check in with everybody since we last recorded. Mm-hmm. How's everyone doing? How have your weeks been? Has it been a yay, a nay? How are we feeling today, people? But I don't know. That, that really reminded me. Of, I can't remember what his name, but there's like this artist and this person on YouTube, and he's like, "Is it a bop or is it a flop?" Was your week a bop or was it a flop? Yeah. Was your week a bop or a flop? This week has been a bop for sure. Mm-hmm. The rest of the week, I can see it like not really living up to bop status, but not quite <laughs> being a flop. You get me? Yeah, yeah somewhere in the middle. That's where I'm at. Mm. That's a fact. Yeah. Personally, it's definitely been a bop. Um, more financially a bop, but everything Ooh. else has been. Yes, King. Get, get your, your money. Cha-ching. <laughs> Cha-ching. <laughs> Who you say? I mean, this week will be a bop because it's payday. Mm. So there's some oh, yeah. not brag. Because right now <laughs> the, the bank is flopping. <laughs> Mel, bop or flop? I feel like bop overall just because everything's opened again. So yes. we're literally Big being re-entered into society. Yeah. Literally, it's a bop forever and more, in my yeah. humble opinion. How is everyone Everybody feeling about wins. the world being open? I mean, I'm excited, but I don't know how I'm going to get through life. Mm. Excited, but overwhelmed. Yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. My energy. I'm like, yes, yeah. things are open. Oh my god, everyone is less than two meters away from me. Yes. Honestly, like I was thinking to myself, yo, this is gonna be sick. But the last two days it's been like move for me energy. Like I'm <laughs> gradually receding back. I'd be looking around, looking over my shoulder, making sure everyone's like far from me. Um, but it's it's lit, it's lit still because you see everyone smiling. You see the sun out. Mm. Mm. Yeah, everyone meeting up with their friends, like living the surprises. It's very cute to see the sun. This country is ghetto, apart from when it's sunny. So I feel like a little bit better to be on this island. Mm. Getting our vitamin D back. The melanin is activating again. Better mm. <laughs> be getting your uh, vitamin D vitamins, uh, vitamins tablets. Oh, well, you need them. We all mm. need them. Been hitting those up. Abba, the pharmacist says retweet. Retweet, retweet. They're not cheap. I can't lie, but worth the investment. Facts. <laughs> well. 
thank you so much for joining us, uh, Manuel. I think it'd be really no good problem. if we did, uh, or you did an intro actually to our listeners yeah. about yourself and your work. Um, and yeah, how you got onto the podcast today. We're really excited to have you. So mm. I'll allow you to take the floor. Sweet. Uh, this is the moment I've been waiting for my whole life. Um, <laughs> yeah. No pressure. <laughs> yeah. It's always so mad when people ask you to explain who you are. Um, but I have been preparing um, over the last three years. But anyways, I am a creative, currently Bath-based um, creative entrepreneur, um, community leader. I guess I could technically take that one. Um, sometimes activist. I don't haven't fully. Um, accepted or taken on that role producer um well i mean the creative side kind of covers everything else um christian son brother and many other things <laughs> he said all of the accolades <laughs> um as much as i could possibly say but that's pretty much me in a nutshell at the moment Amazing. That was a great overview. I like how we went from professional to community-based back to personal. It's very cohesive. Um, I think one of the things that you said that will be really interesting for this conversation is kind of, you said you semi said you were an activist and then kind of like stepped back from that. I mean, how do you relate to the concept of activism itself then and being an activist which is all about like demanding for social and political change um mainly through community-based kind of collectivist action as well is that not something that you relate to or yeah why would you not necessarily describe yourself as an activist or why would you um personally my reasons for stepping more away from uh the title is more the current perception of it um uh personally i would say generally i play more of an activist role because i think the role of an activist is less to be in the public eye or um it's it's not always to be that public figure that is very visible in every scenario it's more about the personal interactions is more more about how you go about your daily life um less so about the big moments um and i guess the the activist ish role got placed on me um last year with all the protests and everything and at the time i kind of wrote, went with it because of how many people were saying it and it was just kind of like oh my gosh if i was to stop everyone and explain to you why i would rather you didn't um headline my name as an activist um it would have got a lot crazier um but to be honest yes i i i guess i am an activist um but yeah i'm just I've just tried to distance myself from it because I feel like there is something that the public or this, uh, our society expects of you once you carry that name. And I think at the end of the day, we are all human. And for the sake of um, being fully um, truthful to my humanity, I would go about doing my activism more as a, um, as an extension of, of, of my personality as opposed to it being an identity that I carry, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. I feel yeah. like I've, I've, I've thrown so many random words out <laughs> that I could have done without. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I think um, that was a really good explanation. 
Um, what I wanted to ask, actually coming back off the back of that answer was, mm. do you think actually identifying as an activist kind of pigeonholes you or mm. leads to feeling pigeonholed and yeah. um, mm. kind of, or kind of even depending subjectively on like what you believe activism is, because yeah. activism can mean different things to different people as well. So I don't know what the question is, but yeah, um, just thoughts on that. <laughs> in, <laughs> uh, in, in a sense, yes, it's, it's partly that because I've seen very different um, evidences for me not wanting to be pigeonholed in the way I tend to refer to myself because uh, let me give this example, for instance, within uh, the music space. Um, personally, I'm a Christian and every time I release music or uh, I release like an, a rap EP last year and or rap based and everyone was like, oh, Christian rapper, Christian rapper. I was like, yo, slow your roll. I am not a Christian rapper. I'm a rapper who happens to be Christian because in my head, I'm like, my goal in this space is to be honest and truthful about my life experiences. And not every aspect of my life has reflected my faith. And it's not intentional, but it's, uh, it's honest. And it's more of an accurate presentation of what my life has been and what it is, as opposed to trying to paint that picture that everything that comes out of me is of this this um, standard um, and in the same way I, I would like to think that of most of the stuff I do is with regards to the activism at the end of last year I had a moment of feeling very um, it was almost I think it was like a chronic state or <laughs> or imposter syndrome on steroids that I experienced kind of like in September when I, I just had like a moment where I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not pure enough of a person. I'm not the best person in the world. So why the hell am I being put on this uh, pedestal or this platform? Why am I being um, given this title of sort? And it's, and to, for, for, for quite a, a, a bit of a time leading up to that, it felt like the title was more of a, an award kind of like oh my gosh I've reached the status of being called an activist like oh my word Bob Marley was an activist Kendrick Lamar is an activist it's like whoa mm -hmm. but then mm -hmm. walking through that I had like a moment where I got to realize that like yo <laughs> this is very far from an award this is more like a um in very many senses and uh, more so than others it feels more like a uh, a weight or a mm -hmm. yeah it's an extra responsibility yeah. that you are then entitled to and it wasn't necessarily that I didn't want the responsibility I think some of the responsibility I was being tied to I had no reason to be tied to except for the fact that everyone was calling me an activist and I also didn't see that reflected in my life so there was this weird conflict between those two things. But yeah, definitely not pigeonholed. <laughs> I think that leads on like quite well to um, the next question we have for mm. you. Um, so what has been a recent event that really solidified your identification as an activist? Oof. That's crazy. Um, I don't know if this counts as like 
a, a good enough answer, but it's been more the things I didn't do rather than the things I did in the sense that ah, let's go vulnerable. That's the best <laughs> way to do this stuff. Um, go for it. So, so <laughs> in terms of during the time period of, well, I like how I say time period, like it ever stopped, but particularly mm. when the whole uh, Sarah Everard, I think I'm pronouncing her name right, um, situation was going on in terms of the police search and everything and the buzz around social media with it, that has always been something that has been really close to my heart, more, be, more so because I have three older sisters and like that has been, well, I was brought up with women. And so in a lot of senses, I got the privilege of being introduced to ideas and more enlightened in, in ways that others are probably not. Um, and I've always tried as much as I could to approach situations with everyone in the best way I possibly can. And I can remember during that time period, there were so many different conversations that were going on. And obviously the overwhelming <laughs> um, level of information that everyone was chucking out, it was hard to fully soak in. And I can remember a moment where I was like, well, well actually I was, I was reading one of the posts, one of those posts that was um, kind of framed at, oh, if you are one of these things, you should, I, I, I can't remember how they put it, but it was almost like, yeah, it was particularly shunning certain behaviors. And I was, I had like a moment where I had to start reflecting and looking at these behaviors less so as a third party or like, oh, those are those people. And I started trying to pick apart um, kind of, residues of certain actions and I can remember seeing seeing one particular one um that was uh what was it about I think it was sounds really mad but don't worry it's gonna make sense at the end <laughs> um it was about the it, yes it, it talked about guys that um try to talk to girls um no, I think it framed it as following us off of the bus uh, is not a compliment, something like that. And I had a moment where I was like, whoa, because I can remember there was a time in 2017 where I, I, was, um, I was coming back from a shoot, actually. It's actually hilarious. I was coming back from a, it wasn't a shoot, it was... Uh, well, I got nominated for best uh, thingy, um, best graduate from uh, the NCS program and well, best graduate in the Southwest. And I was coming back from it, it was a Gloucester. And I can remember seeing this girl and I was like, yo, she looks amazing. But me being the extremely shy person I am, I was like, yeah, I ain't got that kind of confidence to have any of these conversations right now. Um, but then I had a moment where I was like, no, you can do this. You can do this. Come on, you can. And I was like, okay, if she gets off with the same stuff as me, I'll say hi. And then she got off the same stuff and I didn't say hi. And then I was like, oh my gosh, you're failing yourself. And I was like, oh, she gets to the bus stop I'm at, I'll say hi. She got to the bus stop, I didn't say hi. I was like, if she gets on my bus, I'll say hi. Got on the bus, the bus was packed. So we weren't anywhere close. I felt like it would, it would seem 
hella corny. So in my head, I was like, you know what? If she goes to the bar, wherever she drops, I'll come out and say hi. At this point, I wasn't even perceiving how crazy this the the whole scenario was. I was fully soaked in my thoughts with it and um got off the bus uh and chatted with her and everything. And we ended up being really good friends now. But I can remember in that moment, I was remembering that whole situation and I was like, damn, like that was a very weird situation. Like besides all the good intentions I had behind that, um, it felt like I was realizing how cooped up in my mind I was that I wasn't thinking of her in that scenario. And um, yeah. And while doing that, I felt so many, so many emotions that that almost felt like I was exposing myself to uh, both criticism and just realizing like, yo, this is like, oh my gosh, maybe I'm not as good of a representative as I thought I was to the rest of humans and people. And maybe I'm not treating women with as much respect as I thought. Maybe the fact that I'm so absorbed in what, what I'm thinking in my head makes a lot of situations seem different from what they were intended to be. And while thinking through that, I put out a post. And after that, I was like, you know what? I could put out a few other posts. And then I had like a weird moment where, which almost felt like, again, I fell into that pattern of thinking where it was, I almost stopped thinking about what it was and it was back to thinking about self. And in my head, I was like, yo, these posts seem to be doing well. And this was more subconscious, but after the fact I thought about it, I was like, maybe that might have been what was driving me to make more posts like that. And ever since then, I've taken so much time out to um, to sit with my thoughts and just be like, okay, what is my reasons for doing any of these? What is my reasons for putting up posts? What is my reasons for vocalizing those things outside of individual conversations? Um, because a lot of times I think I think because activism nowadays is such a glamorous thing and everyone wants to share in quote woke stuff that's being said, there's a lot of people that, it, that are putting that stuff out, not because they believe in it or because they agree, but because they know it, it goes. Um, and because personally, I tried to be as honest as I can with myself. Um, I was like, I can't put anything out if I know that they're, I have an intention that is outside of just being honest. Even if it's a truthful story, I can't talk about activism, anything related to activism or anything related to just being a good person if I feel like a, there could be an intention of doing that to get clicks or get numbers because that's dead and it poisons the intention behind it. But yeah, I feel, long story short, I feel like that was more of a scenario um, in my head that Nowadays, I realize it's more, more a part I'm playing in the bigger system in terms of being active with um, my intentions and stuff like that. Uh, I don't know if that answers the question. Um, I'm not sure. I think I'd like to delve into like an aspect of the answer because it was like, um, I think it was quite long in the way that you were describing it, but like what I got essentially from yeah. that was like, do you, I guess, or what I wanted to ask you is like, do you think that 
certain movements like you mentioned the movement for Sarah Everard um, and I suppose as an extension of that the like reclaim uh, the streets movement as well um, do you think that's like brought, brought to the forefront like certain um, like movements or made you address certain behaviours that you were perpetrating before um, and like brought it more to the forefront of your mind and like because we've had the stark um, not contrast but we've had the like the resurgence of the BLM movement and then yeah. looking as to like the arcing into kind of looking at how women have to conduct themselves in society um, has it kind of brought that duality of I can perhaps be a victim but also a perpetrator at the same time like mm. how um like obviously as a black man like how do you navigate that um and has it forced you to be account like vulnerable in some senses and then also accountable uh, or take more accountability in others yeah absolutely um yes I think as much as I have in the past tried to be as aware of um how I think and the things I believe in and how I act, um, a lot of these situations that have shone a light on it have um, definitely made me rethink it and, and try, yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty much what you're saying in terms of um, trying to understand what part I'm playing in, in, in those issues. Like, am I, am I just someone on the sidelines who's fighting against it or is, are there ways that I am feeding this this thing that we need to stay away from. Um, and yeah, with, with what I was referencing last time, yeah, I think there have been moments in, in my past that um, I have acted in ways that probably fed that rather than staying away from that. Um, so, and I, I guess the way I've tried to approach is I've been very much, I've been more of an introspective person since I was younger um, for very many reasons but mainly because of my faith I, I think um I've tried as much to just be really aware of why I'm doing things and um and also trying to be aware of what um how that could be perceived because like like I was saying sometimes you might be doing something purely um with honest intentions but you're because you're not aware of how it's being perceived you don't check yourself to make sure like, yo, is this the right way to do this? Is, is there a better way that we could um, get to this end goal without um, either making people feel uncomfortable or, 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 or any other outcomes there aside from, from what was intended? So I think that's one of it. Um, the accountability, yes, I think is another one. Um, I can remember putting up uh, a post previously uh, last, was it last month? Yeah, something like that. Or I put up the post where I was like, I just want people to hold me to that in terms of, I can remember this, sometimes I've shared posts that um, are distasteful, for lack of a better word. Um, and now I look back and I'm like, wow, I can't believe I did that. And I can't believe that some of the people, some of my friends or a lot of my friends didn't call me out on doing certain things. So I think I try as much as I can to be as accountable to um, a lot of specific friends who I have been blessed with that call me out whenever I step out of line and, and we get an opportunity to talk about it. I think that that's one huge thing that 
has been the case. And because I have so, um, I'm lucky to have so many uh, outspoken, um, strong women in my life, they have played a huge role in just, um, yeah, being able to pull me to the side and just speak truth and speak, mm-hmm. speak the right things um, towards me. I think just to kind of round off this, Mm. part of the conversation um I think a lot of people might feel the same way in like reflecting on things that they used to engage with or posts or um kind of rhetoric or conversations and I think it's really important to Mm. like have that sense of accountability but then also reinforce the idea that you know if you're comfortable looking back at the version of you like six months ago a year ago whatever Mm. and you're fine with it maybe that means that you haven't grown and I think looking back and feeling uncomfortable sometimes Mm. means that you have grown as a person and even though those things you might not feel happy with um if the outcome is a positive one in that you no longer engage with those types of conversations rhetoric Mm. you don't kind of perpetuate um you know certain narratives then that is a good outcome so I just wanted to like kind of <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, bring that together and like um in in a positive way because I think you know this time has been really sensitive and there's been a lot of very emotional issues that have come to the forefront and people have been forced to engage with especially being in the pandemic being in a situation where there isn't the normal oh we'll go to the pub and we'll talk about something else or mm. oh we'll go for a meal or, or we go clubbing and da 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 like whatever this, the the you know coping mechanism or uh, escapism mechanism is people have really had to like sit with themselves yeah. and I think even looking back at the past year 15 months and the types of um like you've mentioned social media quite a lot so like a t- the types of um content that is readily available has changed a lot and I think that's really uh, reflective of where we are at specifically our generation yeah. in this specific moment in society where people are I don't want to use the word like waking up but yeah. like are becoming a little bit more tuned into what is happening on a, a wider level that isn't just interpersonal mm. or is yeah. personal but also reflected more broadly um Del I think you had a question. Um, did you want to go for that? <laughs> yeah. So I think we've 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 made reference to um, the summer twenty twenty racial justice movements a lot, yeah. um, and I wanted to kind of circle back to that because the way we connected with you was through the work of a really great creative um, designer called Ali Gray. So shout out to Ali who um, put together a magazine yeah, called Twenty Twenty Vision. Um, that was kind of a collection of artwork, think pieces, um, key pieces of writing, kind of political statements by um, black and racially minoritized individuals in relation to the racial injustice and police brutality we were like campaigning against at that time. So I thought it would be really great if you could kind of like delve into what you brought to that project through your Mm. kind of more... um, artistic activism but also kind of the role you played as like a as an activist yourself in terms of the image of you that was used and the kind of contributions you made to that magazine it'd be really great if you could kind of contextualize that for everybody who isn't aware yeah um so it's 
it was I think seventh of June, I think, when the the main uh, most spoken of um, protest in Bristol happened, um, the BLM one, and I can remember going down with a bunch of friends. And at the time, honestly, I was in some of the worst points <laughs> during that space where um, obviously it was dealing with trying to process everything with the loss of George Floyd and Brianna Taylor and Ahmed Arbery and, and like all of them, it was just rehashing all of that. And like, like uh, Dominique said earlier, um, it was, I had been left to sit with that and process that for quite a while. And initially I was like, yeah, I think it's great that people are coming out. But then there was like a, almost like a resentment to settle, which is more like, why are people coming out now after so many years and so many people have died? And um, I think that was more just my difficulty to accept just the state of the world. And yeah, a friend of mine, Felix, a photographer, um, initially I wasn't actually going to go to the protest, but he then hit me up and he was like, yo, I'll, I'll come pick you up. So picked me up and we headed. And I was like, you know what? If I'm not doing anything else, I would just try and document it. Because at the end of the day, a lot of these big um, moments in society need to be documented. Um, and particularly also from different perspectives, because um, that's the best way to paint an accurate picture, uh, picture of what happens there. Because you definitely have like um, media outlets that, have different intentions <laughs> um and yeah so I went down to the protest and I can remember I just had like a feeling that I wanted to pray over everything that was going on because obviously again being a Christian I feel like there's there are a lot of fights that we have the opportunity to fight that are physical things and there's a lot that's completely out of our control and I believe in speaking the right thing and speaking those things into being um and I just wanted to pray over people, but I didn't get an opportunity to do that. And it was literally the end of everything. It had its castle park and, and it wasn't the end. I was just leaving. I had an eight old day, I was tired. And me and my friend, we were like, you know, let's just head back. And we decided let's just stop by the plinth where uh, the Colson statue had been pulled down a few hours prior and we went there because before it was crowded so we couldn't even get photos so we were like let's let's go back and just take a few photos and I got there and there, there was still quite a few people probably like 50 odd people um and I just had like this weird feeling like yo this is your like this is your opportunity and I was like it was one of those moments it's like my heart was racing like crazy amounts and I usually know when I need to do something I know from that feeling because I tend I tend to have that in moments and the longer I stay away from actually doing that very thing the more my heart rate increases and I literally told my friend Felix I was like yo I'm gonna do it and he was like yo give me a second because he he was shooting on a film camera he was like give me a second give me a second and I was like, bro, I'm sorry, I can't wait for you. And I headed up there and climbed on top of the plinth. And it was, it was, it was very weird, honestly. It was like, first of all, I think it was the perspective of just being up there for a moment. I was like, whoa. 
and looking down and all I could see was uh, just a bunch of the, the cards that protesters had put together with the writings and everything. And I was, I was up there and I eventually just sat down there just trying to take it all in. And it, it was crazy. I think I, it, it's very hard to describe the feeling in that moment, but I, there was a thought that came to me, which was if Martin Luther came and the Malcolm X's and the Harriet Tubman and all of the other freedom fighters didn't do what they did, I couldn't be in this position. And there was like this weird moment. I was literally sat up there in silence for like 10 minutes. Well, probably not 10 minutes, more like five minutes. And I was just really soaking all of that in. And then the, a story came to mind and it was a story of uh, Jacob in the Bible. And it was actually a story that had helped me heal from a lot of these um, racial tension um, situations. And it was actually a story where um, Jake, uh, Jacob, no, Joseph in the Bible, where he gets sold by his brothers into slavery because they hated him, um, not because he did anything wrong, but because his father loved him. And they felt that he was being favored and he, he was being favored by his father. Um, and his father gave him this coat of many colors and um, they ended up throwing him into a, a, a ditch and then selling him off into slavery. And just to wrap up that story, it ends at the end of that story of uh, Joseph, they end up going to Egypt, um, his brothers and everything when there's like a huge famine and they didn't recognize him because at that point he had been um, made a ruler in Egypt and he ended up supporting his, his family and his um, brothers. But it was kind of like, for me, the story was healing a lot of those scars because it made me realize that even though so much wrong has been done uh, to us as black people in that specific uh, instance, that there is, we still have an opportunity to support and still show love despite all of that but also we have a, a right to fight back um but it was more the love aspect and the healing um nature of love and i got that story and i told it to the people there and asked if i could pray with them and they all said yes which was a surprise to me <laughs> and just as i was praying a guy um in a bus uh drives past and he goes uh, something along the line, but that's a war memorial, you dirty bastard. And it was like a weird moment of like, oh my gosh, we're faced with a moment where someone's praying over a city and over the peace and everything. And you have someone meeting that with so much anger and, and negativity. But ended up coming down and just having a few chat with, chats with the people. There was a reporter there from Sky News asked if he could do an interview. And then following days, a few other entities got done. But yeah, that that is the uh, the story of the that led to the picture of the boy in the plinth. And me and my friend Felix, we ended up putting the photo, getting the photo printed and sold to raise money for charity. We ended up raising eleven point five thousand pounds in four, uh, less than forty eight hours, which That's is crazy. crazy. Like till today, I can't believe it um and yeah so that that was the story i was referencing uh 
earlier, but while telling that story, I completely forgot what the actual question was. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you kind of touched on it. It was just like, why was like your right. sub- that your submission for the zine? And like, in yeah. terms of what you wrote, like what were the key messages you were really trying to get mm. across as an activist? Yeah, um, honestly, right at this moment, I can't fully remember what I actually wrote in there, but uh, I can remember she reached out to me on Instagram and was like, yo, can we do this? And I was like, yeah, I was super down for it, especially because it wasn't a big media thing because during that whole period, I got to experience the ugly side of the media and how particularly the BBC ended up presenting a very inaccurate picture of the part I played in the whole thing that really could have got me in big trouble with uh, the police, but thankfully it didn't. Um, so at that point, I didn't want to have anything to do with any other media outlets that weren't independent and wouldn't let me see how they were presenting me. And she, uh, she kindly agreed that whatever was finally put out, um, that she would send it to me to cross-check and everything. But, but generally what I wanted to just let people know was to give them as much of a, a picture into why I was up there and why that image was came about. Um, just to let them know that I didn't go up there to take a photo <laughs> because there were a lot of people doing that and it's not to necessarily single myself out, but I would, I would hate for it for people to feel like I was using that for publicity stuff. Um, but yeah. No, that's amazing actually. Like, I just think, I just wanted to touch on the the aspect of how you bring your faith into your activism. Cause yeah. I do think that sometimes it can be quite hard because it's like your faith teaches you one thing and then it's like through activism, it might not necessarily coincide. But I think mm. the way that you find a way to actually work, like for them to work together and be unapologetically yourself about it um I think it's pretty amazing and actually I wanted to ask as well about um as black people like do you feel that we have a choice about engaging in activism because as you said when you went on the plinth your aim wasn't to take that picture it wasn't to have kind of like people looking at you and be like oh what's this guy doing it's something that it was very a very personal moment for you um and as you said when you were praying over everything it was met with so much hate so it's almost like do you feel like there's this pressure of black people having to show activism, but then when you do show activism, it still comes with hate and then mm-hmm. you just do it personally without anybody watching, like that type of thing? That's- I don't even know if it's that. Sorry to cut in, man. I just, I think, yeah, no, no, no. I think like what Abra even said, just as a question, like, do we have a choice? Like mm-hmm. activism is all around like creating social and political change. And mm-hmm. I feel like we're so oppressed in society that often, like, we know a lot of the historical movements, a lot of the things that happen, they're driven by Black people. And is that because we have the most to lose? Like, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like Mm. us creating this platform, I necessarily felt like we had a choice in creating it. It's kind of like a do or die situation. And I wondered if that was, like, a concept that you related to in, like, your activism journey, but then, like, also Mm. the stuff Abba said as well. Um, about like when you put yourself forward knowing that it can be a lose-lose situation like just because you're blackmail might not even be perceived well and it Mm. does like put you at risk as well so how do you navigate all of that in terms Mm. of choice and activism Mm. yeah I, I I personally don't 
for for black people, I feel like we are born into a situation where we we are almost we almost have to be activists or we would be in denial <laughs> in a sense. Um, because just because of the nature of racism, it affects every facet of our lives. Like there is there are very few instances you are well, not very few, but there are a lot of, or rather there are a lot of instances you are put in where you can't live without facing this each and every day. So you would either have to just take it and that type of stuff breaks your spirit or you speak out against it and fight for a better future for young, young ones. Um, because at the end of the day, that's always how I was brought up is uh, a lot of times when you meet situations, you you don't just leave it how you left it. You try to add something, some kind of value to it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's quite sad that, that a lot of um, like black people don't have a choice with that stuff. Um, but I do think it's also a blessing in the sense that there are, more recently I've been learning about responsibility and the part responsibility plays in life in general. Um, it's a blessing, not be, um, not because it's a naturally good situation, but I think it's more making the best out of a dire or a very catastrophic situation. Um, and I think we are kind of given an opportunity to become virtually superhumans because I don't know about you, but like black people have been through a lot and the kind of mental capacity it takes to face these kind of um, discriminations or just discrimination in general um, is like, it's not normal to, to, to have to grow up as a young black boy or black girl and face all these things all the way to your dying bed and still have moments of joy and laughter and still be able to see good in the midst of all of it i think it's it's a, it helps us become way more than um it helps yeah helps us build ourselves up to become way more than we could have done without it but yeah it is sad that we face that but to answer abba's question about um the faith and activism yeah that has been really tough to navigate, which is why personally, I don't want to look at myself as an activist first, but as a human, um, because, oh yeah, that, that, that's one thing that sometimes gets lost is because once the activist gets put on that pedestal, people forget they're human and they have the capacity to make mistakes. People forget they're black or, well, or, or people forget the other aspects to their humanity outside of just yeah. the activism. Um, because during that period, I can remember so many people uh, were like, you know, can we have this? Can we have that? Can we have this? And, and, and for a moment, it was like people just forgot that, like. <laughs> Literally, you've got a job, you've got other things. Yeah. yeah. And, and I can remember saying to someone, I was like, I'm black, too, but I'm also a human. Mm -hmm. So now I have to deal with the problems of being a normal human that every human goes through. Now I have to deal with the issues of being uh, a black person that black people go through. And now I have to go through the 
uh, trial by fire that activism brings you away. Because mm -hmm. during that whole time period, there was a lot of hateful comments. And I tried as much as I can to, or, or I could to, um, to shrug them off. But I'm sure all of you know that like the hateful words are the ones that stick the most, as sad as that is. Mm -hmm. And so many, uh, I, I don't know if racist would be <laughs> the right word to label them, but very not well-meaning people um hitting up my Facebook at the time and a lot of that took a toll on my mental but at the same time people still ex expected me to give opinions on Pretty Patel and give opinions on Colson mm -hmm. Tower and I'm like mm -hmm. bruh like <laughs> I'm just another person that happened yeah. to be at that protest um so I think I think it would do society a huge benefit to start first looking at activists as humans but um but but just see them as humans that just chose to highlight a, a section of their life and a lot of those moments like a bob marley like uh he he made music so i wouldn't have necessarily gone to him i don't know how, how what, what i'm trying to say particularly but just like there was so much more to Bob Marley than just the activist stuff. And sometimes the person gets lost in that. Um, but sorry, back to the faith stuff I was saying about, yeah, with, with me approaching it as a human first, it helps me start to unpack all of those. And then secondly, through a faith point of view, um, I think my faith uh, major so much on how I treat people and how um, that affects the rest of things because I think every human is interconnected and the way we interact it kind of has a knock-on effect on so many other things that we don't actually know are happening um so that has helped me personally try as much as I can to work on myself and my character so that the best version of me is presented to everyone that comes across me and hopefully that has a knock-on effect and ripples out to create more change than me standing on a plinth would have done um but yeah I keep going on on tangents it's, it's... no <laughs> um so you mentioned Bob Marley there as like a pivotal historical figure in activism mm. um and we've spoken also about modern day activism like the 2020 protests and things yeah. like that I was wondering do you think activism's changed from how it was presented in history so we had the sit-ins even like the 1980s um, protests or riots, depending on how you define them. Do you think it's changed with social media or do you think it's kind of ha had the same ethos throughout? What's your, your kind of views on that? I think, yes, I think it's definitely changed, like drastically. I think technology um, put a veil in front of everything, honestly, um, because I feel like activism back then was easier to know whether it was genuine or not, because it required you to be active. <laughs> Whereas social media, because it, it's all about, oh, I could just type a few words and put it up and I could get the tag of being an activist. It, it just means that sometimes movements start and the energy and intention behind it is hard to pinpoint. Um, and some, sometimes that makes it really, really hard to 
know what's going on because for example like um the black lives matter political organization like i didn't fully understand that <laughs> uh, during that protest i didn't fully understand that in america that was a political organization that had agendas that wasn't just about yo i'm a black person and i need to live and stuff like that i feel gets lost in the noise of social media and everyone gets put in the same category and yeah it's really hard to it's really hard to see the humanity and the genuine nature of some people because of social media or see the uglier side because at the end of the day they're all just faces on a screen um to some degree mm. but i think it's also it's, it's not all been bad because it's been great because a lot of conversations get to get uh get to be had um on a wider scale mm -hmm. um than before but the question i was asking myself during after the protests and everything is is that effective because although yeah. you have although you have um let's say back then they had a they would get 100 people together and they'll have in-depth conversations about it nowadays i could probably maybe reach about a thousand people mm -hmm. but is that effective in actually making change because yeah. at the end of the day it's a share on 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 instagram mm -hmm. as opposed to actual people being proactive about what they're saying yeah i think this is a really good point actually like has social media taken the activeness out of activism yeah. because i think like you said like i think Mo, I'm not sure if you you mentioned like sit-ins and protests and like boycotts and stuff, but like you said, Manol, um, like it requires you to be active, whereas now it's just like, oh, like a few clicks and I've done my bit. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's what we're definitely seeing. But then on the on the other side of that is also this feeling, and that I've seen and like that I feel has been resonating with a lot of people that I talk to about um being proactive when it comes to social justice movements mm -hmm. is like is signing a petition enough is mm -hmm. going to a protest enough is having a difficult conversation with someone enough and it's I think it's, that's essentially why we ended up starting this podcast to be honest is yeah. to address that and to also um have the conversation have like an educational conversation around certain issues and topics um mm. and then also provide pathways to action so that people can not only hear and learn but do um yeah. what do you girls think as well on the whole side of like um whether social media is like really prevented I guess like a more active version of activism I suppose I think like you can't deny the scale that when social media is used well can give activism like in my mind activism is always collective and how like there's nothing more that can help you make it more collective than having everyone that you would want to talk to in one place and being able to circulate those messages and to circulate those asks I think what people don't necessarily think of and maybe because them sharing something is like the first um, instance that they will have of what is quote unquote activism is that when you look at historical activists who may have attended boycotts or organized marches or sit-ins, they never did those acts in isolation. 
and like being an activist is a continuation of action so I think it's actually a very simple answer that you wouldn't just share if you really care you wouldn't just share you would then attend the march and you would follow up with the people that attended the marches and you would attend the meetings and you would sign the petitions and you would do the grassroots and the community support work and you would work with local centers and all of that sort of stuff so I think and it's a problem with social media in general is I think it makes people act in isolation whereas you kind of need to take that power out of it and connect it back into everything else that's happening in the world around you um, and I think if like our generation can crack that, then it will help us amplify our um, activism. But I think if people just want to stay sitting behind their phones and then call themselves activists, I don't think that's going to run. And I don't think we're going to see um, the outcomes that we would want when we create things like infographic mm-hmm. posts and things like that, because we don't just want them mm-hmm. to live online. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Sorry, I've got a question just off the back of literally that sentence, which was going to be my next question anyway. Um, and please, everyone, like Abba, Mel, Del, um, give your opinions on this as well as Manol. Um, it actually also links into something that you mentioned earlier, um, Manol, which was about kind of leaving a legacy and adding value for younger generations. Yeah. Do you think that modern day activism, specifically on social media, um, will be able to provide legacy that goes beyond being a facilitator for organization um, and what might that look like when it comes to generating change and being mm-hmm. a force for good That's sorry so- that was a really long-winded question so yeah. take your time <laughs> yeah that sounds an interesting question first thing that pops to mind is um, a lot of times social media gives us the benefit of having the pleasure without the responsibility. And I don't think with legacy, Mm -hmm. there could be, I don't think there can be hmm, a pure legacy without the responsibility being taken care of. What do you mean by pure legacy, please? Pure, okay. (laughs) Pure legacy more in terms of the things i guess it's, it's i'm being are so you thinking vague. like so when we think about pure legacy we think about rosa parks we think mm-hmm. about you know those huge figure figureheads mm-hmm. in the civil rights movement um and that was all to do like with the martin sorry not all to do with the um mlk um speech yeah. but like things like the uh, mlk speech um things like uh, the marches and protests and also I guess speeches and conferences organized um, where uh, Malcolm X spoke as well do you mm. view that as pure, le- pure quote-unquote pure legacy because it is based essentially in action yes is that the basis yes yeah. I, I think it's mainly the action but more with sticking your neck out because with the responsibility side of it, I think social media allows people to throw spanners in the works, <laughs> in a sense, where they can throw a stone at a glass ha- house and hide their hands, and everyone sees the stone but doesn't see who threw it. Through it. So it allows people to hide Whoa, in the yeah. group and say things, even if they are the right things. I think the reluctancy to put themselves out there 
could sometimes taint it because I think personally, I think vulnerability builds relationship and it builds depth in things. And if someone isn't vulnerable enough to put themselves out there and say, this is what I believe, there is now no human aspect or humanity to that statement. All it is, is just another factual statement that we can get from a dictionary or something like that. So in terms of the pure legacy is more of they put themselves out there. And I guess with the MLKs or the uh, Rosa Parks, all, they had to put themselves out there. If they wanted anything to happen, they had to put themselves out there. And I think that's the only way that things could be attributed to those individuals is because out of all the people who lived through that time, they were the few and they were like the 1% of people who actually put themselves out there. Cause mm -hmm. I'm very sure that there was thousands of other black people who believed in what they were speaking about and mm -hmm. they didn't say anything. So I think it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's more the aspect of you need to literally put yourself out there, which is tough. But I think, I think one of the ways we could probably attack that is more from and I guess it's hard in a COVID world because you're literally away from each other. But I don't think social media is a great place to have conversations. Mm -hmm. um, it's good for ideas and throwing that out, but it's it's very tough to have, like especially over text. Like I don't know if you've ever had it, but just sitting down and like. <laughs> You, you you'd write some stuff and by the time someone by the time you've written the rest of it someone said something there's no cohesion to any of it anymore and it it just means by the time you leave the conversation you've all said what you want to say but has anyone actually soaked in what was meant mm -hmm. to be delivered um so i think that's that's why personally i focus more on the in individual and personal interactions because that mm -hmm. i know will like when someone sees the look on your face when you describe how certain things make you feel they can read emotion but if all i'm seeing is just an avatar of you smiling while i'm saying that mm -hmm. it's very much more likely to discard every every sense of emotion attached to it yep i've got but i've i think i've got like something that i want to counter to ask you guys because <laughs> People like Rosa Parks and MLK, in their time, like you said, they had to become face yeah. of movements because there isn't really any other way, I guess, in the 1960s, 50s, 70s to gain traction apart from somebody becoming a face. Mm -hmm. Like with BLM UK, what we've seen a lot of them happen at the moment was when that kind of organisation grew online and set themselves up, a lot of them went through massive doxing like people mm -hmm. finding their personal mm -hmm. accounts, their addresses, their workplaces, and utilizing that against them. And I think you, you mentioned as well, Mano, the reaction. So I'm wondering actually, is there not something good about social media that allows people, especially in a collective sense, to create an identity around their movement to be able to mobilize agendas without having to necessarily give over the individual sacrifice of becoming a face of a movement? Um, because I think with online, with the online world comes like new online harms and new online threats when it comes to activism and driving mm -hmm. agendas forward. Um, so I wondered what you guys thought about that. 
I think this is a great point. And like coming back to the evolution of how um, activism has changed from, I guess, the civil rights movement and then leading into the Black Lives Matter movement that we're kind of living through um, at the moment. I think as much as social media, again, force for um, like organisation or facilitator for organisation and then also how you mentioned, Manol, they're like, um, the idea that you know the stones in glass houses where you don't know who's the, who the person is that threw the stone kind of thing that gives you a sense of an anonymity um, <laughs> um, that can sometimes um, I think when you're talking about a movement um, also be in a way like you said Del a good thing I think also when it comes to collective action it's really important to bear in mind that the that it is a collective yeah action is collective it's the movement over the individual and I think usually when it comes to like this idea of individualism they're very easy to attack but when it's a movement and it's separated from people and it's about an ideology that then separate I get yeah (laughs) if it's about an ideology I think it's easier to I guess subscribe to because it's not subscribe um because it's not like one particular person it's not like we're following influences it's like not the same mm. thing it's about um making a change and force for good i think i'm rambling so <laughs> yeah. hand I, I over thought, to someone else a thought that just popped up was just more the the only reason i feel like there has to always be faces or if, if not just one, but groups, um, is like looking at, for instance, governing boards and managements and um, organizations. Yeah, that very word, they need to be organized. And back in the day, one of the important things they did, particularly with uh, the movements that um, Martin Luther King led, was they were organized. They, they made sure, yo, this is what we're here for. If you're not on the same energy, don't come with us. We're here for peaceful protests. We're going to sit down and we're going to do nothing. <laughs> and um, I think that requires leaders or a leader, um, which is why I, I just feel like if there isn't, like the, the leader of a group is always distinguishable from the rest of the group. And I think even if they're not necessarily putting themselves on the pedestal, which I don't, I don't think they would if they're doing it for the right reasons. I think they would always find a way to come to the top, if you know what I mean, Um, in terms of leading a group of people. And my fear, at least with um, just the group and the collective being the leader is, that collective is made up of individuals with their own biases and their own um, opinions on very different things. And um, I I think we actually saw a perfect example of that in Bristol with regards to this kill the bill thing. Um, Because I think that in a lot of senses was where the individuals that were there, not all of them were on the same page about why they were there. So it meant that there was more 
I guess, a chance for things to get out of control because I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't want to say there was a lack of leadership because I wasn't there. But just from how I perceived it, it felt like that was what happened. And obviously, I, I wouldn't blame that on, on the guys who organized it because there's only so many humans you can organize and humans are crazy and humans would do whatever the hell they want to do at the end of the day. But I feel like a group without a leader is very, is easier to be led astray than one that has a defined, or and it, it, even if it's not a leader, kind of a governing board of sort, people who can come together and sit on a table and be like, this is what I think is important. Or a community of people that could be like, these are the things we should be fighting for. These are the things we should be speaking up about and be able to agree on that and then speak to the rest of the people and charge them. Because um, that's something I see very often in Bristol, because alongside um, me and a few other of the people who came out as, uh, not came out, but, but ended up being becoming uh, labeled activists during the uh, BLM protest and the Kill the Bill, one of them was um, Solomon Obi, um, super dope guy. Um, and he plays such an active role in the protest and in particularly charging people. And you would see him always there just speaking and you could see the, uh, the genuine nature of how he's charging them. And the way he speaks is a way that I feel can get to people's hearts. So a lot of people who are coming to the, um, some of those protests are able to not just leave feeling like, yes, we did something, but also leave with a new perspective on the good perspective. Um, so, well, that's, that's my um, thoughts on the, the kind of question. Yeah. I mean, we've spoken about like being a face of a protest or the face of a kind of movement. So how do you feel about the development of influence activism? So at the moment, we've got a lot of influencers who like their main job is basically to be activists for a certain movement. Do you think it detracts away from what's going on or do you think it's a positive? What are your kind of thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I, th I think it takes away from it. Um, th there are ways it adds to it, um, but I think on the whole, it mostly takes away only because the lines become blurred. Um, mm. and when the lines become blurred, we don't know why you're here. <laughs> like, are you here to make money? Are you here to sell me a book? And that was something, again, I was scared of because, um, last year was the first year that I told myself I wanted to take music seriously as like an artist. Cause I always used to do it for myself. And I was like, you know what? I wonder if I can actually make this a living for myself. So I, I started working on projects. At the end of February, I had finished two projects, but then this whole activism stopped before I released the second project. Sorry, stopped, started. Um, this whole thing started before I released the second project. And then when I was about to release it, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know how this is gonna look. I hope people don't think I did this so I could sell records because we have so many artists that seem to do that. One of which uh, a lot of times seems to be Kanye West who seems to make up a row and get everyone talking about him. And then he puts out something just so he could sell, or it seems like he does it just so he could sell records. And I don't want to be that person. And I feel like that would take away from it because 
even if you're preaching the right message, but you, the motives are all wrong, people would sense that. And if, and, and sometimes it seems like they end up re, not rejecting, but almost discarding what you're saying. And if we have too many of those happening, we might then program ourselves to live, become very passive to the right thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. I don't think there is that pressure of influencer <laughs> activism because I guess it kind of goes back to when we were talking about um, the pressures of like being an activist because sometimes you will see on social media where people are like, oh, you need to comment on X, Y, and Z. Why have you not made a comment about X, Y, and Z? Mm. Um, so I do think it's actually quite interesting in terms of where is that line? I, mm. I, guess, I guess it's not like a set answer, but yeah. it's quite interesting to think about mm. where is that line between, okay, this is actually something you generally care about and you want to speak about and you know that mm. you'll reach a massive audience and utilise the platform that you have mm-hmm. compared to, oh, I mm. feel like I just need to say something because people yeah. expect it, which I do feel like That's a lot of influencers were going through. They felt yeah. they had to say something for sure. or, for example, like we're saying, post in the black square and mm. really it didn't really mean much. You just did it out yeah. of pressure. But then on the flip side, if they didn't do that, there would be people saying, why didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. I think Kendrick Lamar was a perfect kind of like case study for that because throughout that whole uh, BLM, uh, well, throughout last year, June, um, in that whole time period where all the protests were like at their boiling point, everyone was like, oh my, well, not everyone, specific people were like, oh my God, where's Kendrick Lamar? Why isn't he commenting about it? Mm. Obviously there was the photos of him at the protest. Um, I think, I think in a lot of ways, or maybe he just illustrates that closer to how I would like to portray myself. Um, But his silence in that moment, I feel like spoke more volumes than he could have said. Because at the end of the day, he would have probably been saying the same things. Oh my gosh, how are they still doing this? Why are they still killing us? We can't let... And it's like, we've heard that. But I... Yeah, I, I think what mm-hmm. you're saying is right in the sense that how, how do you make out the line there? Because like we were saying earlier, these people are yeah. human too. and They need to eat. They need to put foods on the table. So if they have businesses, how do they balance that and activism at the same time? Yeah, I think we need to not create a hybrid between influencers mm-hmm. and activists. Um, I think it's very justified to expect an influencer to have activist tendencies. Yeah. So to disagree with oppression or to disagree with mm-hmm. injustices. And I recognize that within activism, it is helpful and beneficial to be able to have influence to drive agendas. But I think those are two very different spaces as to which as to why you would want to borrow some of the concepts Mm. from the other. I think what we shouldn't encourage are people who are influencers to try and brand up activism to generate income. Mm. I mean, it's something we spoke about with the podcast. Like we're not, we're here for social change. The minute we make the, even our efforts around money and activism itself is heavily linked to the socialist movement. So how, how are you doing pure activism if you then really want to lean into capitalist concepts like making money from mm-hmm. activism? That I feel like that undermines the concept of advocacy and, and activism, which is all about social change. But I recognise people do need to eat and people do need to put money on the table. But then I think if you want to 
gain money from it just become an influencer and like don't call yourself mm-hmm. an activist and then mm-hmm. use your platform to raise some of the issues that you care about but don't brand yourself as an activist with a pure drive for capital a pure drive for notoriety a pure, pure yeah. drive for visibility and branding mm-hmm. because that's very disingenuous and it's really dangerous and ultimately undermines i think the efforts that pure activists try and do yeah yeah it's like mark uh what's the word murky waters like um contaminating like the wall the waters of activism um and like you said i think the idea of like making money off of a social justice movement is just pure icky like it's not something that i could ever like be down with or engage with if i found um i think being an author being an activist an activist um and being an author like you said it's like oh if uh, I'd feel weird about engaging with someone if they were just trying to sell me something but there are authors that have specific like it's education is also like a form of activism Mm -hmm. and so it's it's tricky because it's like where do you draw the line um and I think it is a tricky line to tread but um yeah in terms of like the way that influences oh I don't know I feel like (laughs) the whole influencer (laughs) concept is so wild to me that like I struggle to even wrap my head around how activism could even because like it's like play into that because the whole point of like influencer is like underpinned by capitalism it's underpinned by marketing it's underpinned by selling a lifestyle or selling a product and if we then market activism as a product yeah it's not revolutionary (laughs) no it's not it's not exactly it's so it's so then it becomes unlike unradical or de-radicalized and the whole point of activism is radical change advocacy for radical change for social um for social justice for social um like what is it overturn yes yeah um Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so for like I don't know to like then market it in this like umbrella of what is um like palatable under capitalism (laughs) it's just so like it does it cannot compute like the math is not mathing yeah Um, so yeah I feel like that's my thoughts on that um do we have one more oh sorry go on a thought was just then that like it's it's so tough that it always comes down to that but like there is no way of anyone really telling the full intentions about everything, which is why the need for the people with the right intentions to be completely honest is like so necessary because they need to like, this is more speaking to those people out there. You need to know why you're doing these things and make that very clear. So people don't end up having to, do the equation in their head Mm -hmm. because a lot Mm -hmm. of those blurred lines is because no one knows why anymore in fact in a lot of ways you could make that easier by being honest and being truthful about why you're in that space but obviously the dishonest people would try and blend themselves in but yeah no definitely and I think that links well to our last question that um obviously we've spoken about um sorry we've spoken about the historical forms of activism and obviously now modern day activism and kind of linking that to social media so how can we bridge that gap 
if it's possible. Mm. I think this is more a question for the floor, maybe a closing question yeah. for everyone to weigh in. Yeah. Sorry. Um the my my personal the the solution I've come to, at least for myself personally, is just particularly focusing on your interactions because that goes such a long way. Um, and obviously you can't be everywhere every time, but yeah, you, you have more of a control over the scenarios you're in rather than just putting out a post in the world and hoping that does something. Um, mm -hmm. And, and, and yeah, also, I think people addressing their personal issues sometimes also has like an effect, uh, a positive effect on everything else. Because just speaking from personal experience, there have been a lot of times that I've been speaking about the right thing, but I wasn't in the right place, <laughs> if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so the undertones of the way I was speaking and communicating that was just very murky. And um, mm. yeah, I, my, my personal thoughts to that is just really focusing on the things you can affect, which is the circles mm. around you. Okay. I think my, just to address this question, I think my kind of outlook is in terms of bridging the gap between historical forms of activism and contemporary is like bearing in mind that social media activism is more of a means to an end rather than the end goal in itself. Like, yeah. yes, it can facilitate a legacy, but it isn't like if the internet disappears one day, <laughs> what, what are you going to have left if you're a social media activist? So it's just bearing in mind that there are more tangible um, things to do that obviously yeah. the internet can help facilitate in terms of like a re like being a resource to action um, mm. and that it's not like that clicking a like on a post or sharing something is an activism in itself. Mm. Does anyone have anything else? Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think something that we've all, well, I'll speak more on my behalf, something that I've definitely learned is that um, there's so many different ways that you can show activism. And it's not just from obviously the historical forms. So the historical forms, I feel like that's kind of what they had available to them. Mm. We like as generations go on, there's going to be completely there's going to be I, well who, lord knows what's going to happen in the future but there's going to be all these different outlets that people can use to actually connect with people and obviously show forms of activism and I think we're seeing it now like I remember speaking to my parents about it and my parents were like a lot of the things that people are talking about now we were also we had those same we had that same mentality but we just didn't have those resources so the fact that you have those resources at your disposal obviously it means that people are able to have these conversations reach a wider audience like you were saying earlier um and I think what one so one of the amazing things is through activism is that you can actually use your talents to show that so obviously like with Manu you've got your creative side that you're using like with Ali and the zine like she was able to like you know have a massive collective of people who are using different um forms of their creative aspect to have these conversations and yeah. like for example with us so how our podcast started started off as like oh we're just gonna have like a a, a bountiful conversation just a group of girls you know talking about things that we go through and then it ended up being something that we never necessarily planned for it to be and you know look at what we're doing something that is I personally find quite therapeutic to 
it can be quite hard but therapeutic in a way having these conversations so um I definitely think that the way that we bridge it is kind of like just using the things that are available to us and using it like in a positive way because you know guys what we're gonna say (laughs) fuzzy vibes every week every every episode has to be on there um should i I wrap it up should i wrap up with a final quote maybe do you want to answer the question answer my question answer the question I feel you girl I'm where you I'm where you are (laughs) (laughs) are um so yeah I feel like basically just kind of highlighting what Abba said I think you just need to kind of use the new technologies that we have now to kind of bridge the gaps between historical forms of activism and contemporary forms of activism like we do have a lot more means now to express ourselves, express our wants, express our needs basically for justice in all areas. So I feel like that will definitely develop as time goes on. Like with back in history, they literally had what they had. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have any of those means of communication. So they're much more limited. But I do think that like shows us a good thing about modern day activism. You can kind of reach a greater group of people in a much, much quicker um time frame compared to I suppose back in the day and even like means of communication if you want to organize a protest if you want to organize a rally like anything that you feel like could make a difference so I do feel that is really important I think it's like sometimes modern day activism is always kind of shown in a negative light because of social media and I feel like sometimes you do have to focus on the positives as well like Abba was saying posy vibes <laughs> like we are very lucky to kind of <laughs> you know be able to communicate and communicate with each other and also communicate quite effectively you know people do talk about like infographics and things like that in a bad sense but at the same time it is a condensed amount of information that really could have an effect for a certain type of movement because those are often things that you do kind of see shared around. So I feel like that's a good thing about modern day activism, in my humble opinion. Yeah. Um, I think that what would help is if people recognise the evolution of the, in- the movements that they're engaging in at the moment in relation to history. There are not a lot of social justice movements that exist that aren't an evolution of a really historical movement. Black Lives Matter is an evolution Mm -hmm. of the Black Panther movement, which is an evolution of like abolishing slavery and Mm -hmm. to really understand the weight of your action and to do the right things. I think knowing your ideology, knowing your politic will encourage you to take more action than just sharing things online. It will encourage you to do the education, to engage with the work of like philosophers writers around you who will really help you validate your action and your experience and understand what your asks are when you're asking for change um online and offline but I do think like Abba says posy vibes and I think like trying to be posy vibes but it may not be 100 posy vibes because <laughs> you know guys now I'm a realist I think with activism it's <laughs> one it's probably Every never week. enough 
I think what you're doing is probably never enough. <laughs> so mm-hmm. when you think you're done, I think there's so much more to do. And sometimes it's really difficult to challenge ourselves with that and be like, maybe that one share I did wasn't enough. And if I really do care about this, maybe I do need to put more weight behind our action. Um, and like, I don't want to say that's making anyone feel insecure. It's definitely something that we have engaged with, with setting up the podcast. Like it's not enough just for us to record. We need to bring on people who have real experiences, voices. We need to validate this with education. We need to do stuff like get involved with Ali's 2020 vision because the proceeds are all going to black lives and black minds matter um just like decentering yourself and really thinking about where is the impact actually going to be achieved um i think that is what will help us drive modern day agendas forward could i just say something yeah um and also to to the people who are doing a lot i think it's important for them to understand their capacity and slow down where they need to because you can't effectively um for um push change if you're not good um in your mind and i definitely got to that point where i basically just ran myself till i had nothing else to give and that is not a that's not the best outcome so definitely people should understand that capacity and be able to work from that place but also i just want to thank you guys for for playing your parts and and doing the dope stuff you guys are doing and setting up something like this because it it's it's not a passive approach to living or to experiencing things um which is very difficult especially nowadays to be able to intentionally be like you know what i'm gonna this needs to be talked about so we're gonna do it so yeah thank you for from the rest of humanity <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much that was that was very kind of you to say um was. yeah and thank you for for joining us and having this yeah. conversation i think it's been really insightful especially to i mean you know it's something that we talk about all the time is like we only have like this feminine perspective so it's it's good to have some masculine energy in the room in the virtual room um so that's great but um yeah thank you so much for your time and for all of your insightful points like it's been really um good to hear something again that's outside of London based like we you know we talk about being in a bubble and being in a kind of an echo chamber quite a lot so it's it's nice to hear about things that are going on outside of London it's a really important perspective to bring um yeah yeah thanks for having (laughs) (laughs) Mel you're quick um, so this is my closing quote for this week. Uh, it kind of links what you were saying earlier about being viewed as human first and activist second. So it's work by Malcolm X. says, I'm the truth, no matter who tells it. I'm for justice, no matter who it's for or against. I'm a human being first and foremost. And as such, I'm for whoever and whatever benefits humanity as a whole. And I feel like that kind of sums up what we're all trying to do here in this podcast, also with everybody else's work. Manuel's work everybody so yeah I just feel like it's a good posy vibes as Abby would say um right. Right. keep it grassroots keep it collaborative keep yeah it and I, 
And thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. We publish episodes every second Thursday. You can follow us on Spotify and find us on Instagram at diaspora underscore collective and on Twitter at diaspora cpod. Um, you'll, where you can find our follow-up resource roadmaps for each episode and other posts related to issues close to our hearts. Thanks for listening, guys. Oh, and also Yay. shout out to, to Manol and his, his dro- drop your links, Manol. drop your links. <laughs> yeah, we'll where can we find well. you? Uh, you can find me at manuelacurier.com or you can find me on Instagram as Manogram. It's Mano with a zero because I'm edgy like that. Um, <laughs> literally link and find everything else there. We'll put it all in the resource roadmap so people can just click e- it. Yeah. E- Technology. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going to stop recording now. Yeah. Oh.